This is the Roar and Peace Project coming to you from Studio 3 at the Third Space on Campus Corner. I'm Kate Bierman, mom to Ellie, 22 months, and five rescue animals, political scientist, policy wonk, and co-owner of four businesses with my fellow co-host, Sarita Wilson. And I am Sarita Wilson. I am almost 50 years old, uh, birther of four businesses, mother of two grown children, five rescue animals, and one errant husband. Today, I think we're going to tackle a topic that pervades every aspect of everyone's lives, but also in the business world, and that is social media. Love it. Hate it. I don't think any business owner will tell anyone that they don't have to have it. Everyone feels the need to have social media, and we, as business owners, interact with social media differently with our various businesses, but also as city council members we have a different relationship to social media. So we wanted to just kind of talk about social media today, the pros, the cons, how to use it in a way that is beneficial to you. And so uh, I'm sure that we'll solve all the social media world's problems. So when we were talking about this topic, we kind of jotted down, how do we use social media? We use it in our dog business, our coffee business, our political lives, and our personal lives. Those are kind of our four main places, and they're very different. They have very different needs. There's a very different way to market towards the dog business. So we'll go that direction. The dog business is a trust business. We've talked about this. Our whole game there is about building a relationship with those dog owners and our employees, and everybody feels comfortable with leaving their nonverbal loved one in our care while they're off having fun or have business or whatever they, they need to be away for. So in that aspect, we use social media to communicate with our clients a story. We like to tell the story of how our days are going, what our, you know, we show our personalities with our employees, and we do dog of the day, and we do things that just, even if it's not your dog that's the dog of the day, you like seeing that somebody else's dog is being celebrated, and so you know that we are good people that love the dogs, and that, you know, you can just really gather our personalities and, and get to know us in that it also paints a picture of what happens during a day because as i think we i think we've mentioned in previous podcasts in the absence of information people will develop their own stories about what their dog is doing when they are not around them and so being open and transparent about what we are doing how we do it why we do it also why we have some of the policies in place that we do i find particularly in in the dog industry, that business owners tend to be a little reactionary when it comes to things that are fairly common occurrences like kennel cough outbreaks. Not uncommon, particularly around the holidays. Um, anyone who's had a kid in daycare in the last decade probably remembers how this can go. Just certain times of the year, just the illnesses spread. And just like with flu vaccines or anything else, no vaccination for kennel cough is going to be 100% effective. But a lot of business owners, I think, seem to wait until it's a serious problem instead of just reminding clients ahead of time that this is a busy boarding season. These kinds of things tend to happen. Here's what to look for. That way you're not just fielding dozens of calls from concerned clients about what is happening. So sharing that knowledge and our 10-year history of seeing these cycles repeat Trying to get out ahead of it and reassure the clients ahead of time is, is really important. And setting the expectation and re-educating the community. Because when I first got in the business, I was scared to death of 
illnesses and kennel cough and things like that. And a lot of times people would come to me and use our facility over their vet because last time my dog got sick. Well, I try to rewrite that story for them in person when we talk, but also on Facebook by making sure that we say, hey, it's that time of year again. This is a common occurrence. Here's how you handle it. And making sure our community is well prepared for those events and not overly concerned, but knowledgeable in knowing what to expect and what to handle. And that sets us up as the expert too. Exactly. And in the strictly social media frame, what we do with our dog business There's kind of inherent advertising there. Mm -hmm. People are likely to interact with the posts that their dog is featured in or congratulate the dog of the day if it's not theirs. There's interaction that happens Mm -hmm. on our posts, which then, because of the way social media works, displays that post and that person's comments to their friends list. And if their friends have dogs, they might see these pictures and go, wow, my friend's dog is having a great time there. The next time I go out of town... I might want to consider this. And that's a little different than the coffee side of the business. I mean, that that kind of natural advertising doesn't cost anything. If you create engaging posts or connect people to their dogs on a daily basis when they're out of town, that engagement is going to spread that post a lot further than they would if they had just reacted to it, you know, liked it or something. We don't throw any money behind our dog business social media posts. We don't really promote posts. We'll sometimes promote an event, you know, if we want to make sure that people see an event. But other than that, we don't we don't really have to. It just gets an organic share. Right. And that's a little different than the coffee side. And so that's been that's been a really interesting kind of change of frame for us when it comes to engaging on social media. I will say that I see a more direct relationship between the posting on social media and our daily revenues for the next couple days. Absolutely. In the coffee business. Absolutely. But I think it's more about reminding existing customers Mm-hmm. Don't forget about us or, you know, maybe it encourages them to make a second stop that day because now we have new pastries. <laughs> I just made a leap in my head. I think the dogs remind people of us like, oh, yeah, my couch got torn up last week. I probably need to take my dog to doggy daycare. But I think coffee, the dogs are the best advertising for us. <laughs> coffee is, is we have to kind of keep that in people's minds where we are, what we're doing. Uh, a lot of times our coffee business, social media posts around what's happening, what's on the menu, Fun topics, educational things about coffee, who we are. It's telling a story, but it's telling a whole different kind of story. And it's really aimed more at existing clients. I would say that the natural organic reach is not as strong with coffee unless it's something specific. We did a few fun drinks for Halloween at one of our coffee businesses, and those posts were shared over and over and over again. But not necessarily because people were saying that they were going to come in and get this drink, just how weird, how different, how cool. But other than that, there's really not much of an organic reach that happens with coffee. I think that that's more aimed at continuing to capture existing customers, maybe possibly get a little more money out of them per order. You know, if we can encourage them to maybe buy a muffin, right, buy, or buy the more expensive pastry or buy two or, you know, things like that. I think because we've been so well trained on the dog side of the business with social media, I haven't quite had the bandwidth to figure out what paid advertising would work well on social media. And some of the some of the early research I've done from people who have seen success with certain types of advertising, it hasn't been on social media for coffee, that the best way to capture new customers was other methods 
methods like radio advertising, you know, advertising during the five minute weather segments or the five minute news segments that more people tune in for. So or having a mall kiosk, having a mall kiosk has actually been a wonderful advertising opportunity for us. And that that right there is uh, seeking out a silver lining and an opportunity, because I think if you're just looking at the kiosk sales versus what we were expecting, those numbers don't match. Yeah. But when you look at the big picture of Yellow Dog and what the... It's driving traffic to our brick and mortar. And online. And online. So mm-hmm. I think... And to the dog <laughs> businesses too. Weirdly. When I've been working the kiosk, I'm also telling people all the businesses we own. So yeah, so the difference between the dog businesses and the coffee businesses in terms of social media use has been a really interesting change of pace. But more than anything, I will say that I really don't like being primarily responsible for taking and editing quality photos and creating creating compelling content, that might be one of the things that if we have the revenue stream for it eventually, that we farm that out to someone else to do. But that has really been the biggest drag on our social media presence is time. Is time. And mm-hmm. on the dog side, we've looped employees into that process, which has really taken a lot of it off mm-hmm. of our hands. To we kind of crowdsourced our employees, basically just telling them to post the pictures and giving them guidelines on what to post. Mm-hmm. And that's really worked well. It really has. Um, because dogs, Delegating. Yeah, dogs are, are a great topic. People love dogs. Even people that don't use us, they'll share the, the dog stories, especially the silly ones. And then coffee, it's more about, you know, what do we do and how are we different than other? Because I think that goes back to our competition. You know, we're directly competing with other coffee options in the community. So I think the, the social media platform helps us to differentiate ourselves in that way. Absolutely. And then... Just to keep our lives really fun and interesting, we're both on city council. And so we've both ran tough campaigns where we had to use social media to get our names out there and our platform, field questions, and then as council members, uh, there's a whole set of problems with being on social media. Well, so, yeah, social media in general, the laws have not quite caught up to social media when it comes to the interplay of social media and elected officials. Obviously, as many of you can imagine, the last couple of years has brought an intense scrutiny. National scrutiny. National scrutiny on exactly what role social media should play, how subject they are to Open Meeting Act and Open Records Act requirements. Criminal activity. Criminal activity. And I would say that social media itself has not helped that, which is something that has kind of chafed me. Locally, we had just recently resolved a very significant legal question of a a council member's actions on social media. And what makes that so difficult as a council member who was sitting here watching all of this take place is that social media does not give you good tools to ensure that when you're talking to someone on social media that they know whether you're speaking as an individual or as a council member. Social media itself, Facebook in particular because I'm over the age of 30, therefore I'm only supposed to be on Facebook and not (laughs) any of the other social media platforms. I know you get a TikTok. I don't. I've... Honest to God, no idea how to use it. I have Snapchat. a Snapchat so that I can get snaps from my friends who have kids who like to use it. But that's way beyond my level of expertise. But up until recently, if you had a politician or a candidate Facebook page, you were not able to join groups and post in groups as that council member. Because it was kind of like a business page or they had it kind of categorized weird. So Facebook discouraged using my council member page and encouraged me to use my personal page to respond. 
Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a real gray area, both in terms of the legality so of some it, of the First le- Amendment rights. Some and- of the legal problems are constituents will tag a quorum of council members in a post and want us to respond to those questions or comments or whatever. And really, that creates an open meeting situation. Or it could. It the, could. The, the law is actually not clear it's on very that. very gray. So we have to kind of self-regulate in that way. You know, and there's an ethical line. Do we delete any comments? I recently, I'll use me because I can talk freely about myself. I was recently... Somebody in our community threatened to show a video of me being sodomized. He didn't have that video because it doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. But I took that as a threat, and you take that to the police, and they don't really have a whole lot to do with it. There's not much they can do. It's so gray. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't a, a absolute threat, but still, I as a council member, can I delete those comments? Can I protect myself? Can, you know, what are my rights? You know, what are my personal liberties? You know, and then when am I a, a governmental entity? <laughs> and exa- exactly how much, if any, of your right to privacy and your right to free speech do you yeah. give up when right. you take that office? Right. So it's it's a very difficult line. And then running a campaign on social media. It's good. It's bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see the good. I I used it. I used it to my benefit. I was able to target market and really get content out there and and in a quick, cheap way. But we're seeing, uh, you know, nationally that we also have interference from foreign countries and interference from political players that may or may not be giving you all the facts. And it's easy to manipulate the facts. It is. And, you know, I think that this is something, thankfully, we don't have. I mean, I doubt little Norman, Oklahoma is on the, the Russian target list for interference <laughs> in know. local elections. I but... get quite a few pretty handsome <laughs> <laughs> men, friend requesting yeah. me. A lot of military service members. Yeah, I know. They all live in, <laughs> right. you know. I don't think that I can say for certain that the difference in activity level between myself and my opponents for my city council seat made a difference. But I do think it helped me. It allows you to create almost time-stamped content in a mm-hmm. way that that nothing else provides. So when I do a live video of me walking from door to door, you know that I'm walking door to door mm-hmm. instead of me putting on five different coats and five different pairs of shoes and taking a bunch of pictures and then just posting one. I mean, unless you're posting a picture with the day's newspaper, <laughs> there's really no way to know that someone is actually out there knocking doors. The other but, thing you might want to look at in your own community If around election season, a whole bunch of people you've never met start being for or against a candidate for any reason, maybe that's not a trusted source. So that leads me to discernment. Yeah. And this is this is something that we talked about earlier that has a really big impact on your community. I wanted to kind of broaden the perspective of this for business owners, because you as a business owner in your community are affected by a lot of the things that happen by who was elected, by the voter referendums that they passed, transportation bonds or stormwater or you know, all of these things have an impact on your community and can have an impact on your business. And the social media machine that can pop up in your community 
to provide information or provide fake news or to shift the conversation in one direction or the other can have a really strong impact on any particular outcome. And in communities that have seen a decrease in the strength of their local newspaper, social media has kind of risen up to take that place. Again, good and bad. It's discernment that can really help you as a business owner and the community more broadly to better vet the information that is coming down that social media pipeline. As we were thinking about this topic and top, talking about it and chatting about what we might say today, I I have the perspective of coming, um, you know, the generation that didn't have social media at all to fully functioning mm-hmm. social media. I still have enough vision that I can uh, figure out, you know, the buttons to push and that sort of thing. But I, I recall about, I don't know, it was like five or six years ago whenever Oklahoma first started having earthquakes due to... I remember that. We had a big one in We Norman had a too. really big one in Norman. I had been... I've lived in Norman my whole life and I didn't... Uh, had never felt an earthquake at all. So it was perplexing. I ran out of the building as, I don't know, that's the natural inclination because everybody in our neighborhood, and I was at my business, all the other business owners are outside looking around. We're all like, what Tornado, was that? Tornado, earthquake, what was it? whatever it is, you run outside and you look around. You look around. Well, and, you know, we, the people that are my age and have lived in Norman or in Oklahoma for very long, remember, uh, you know, we had a very large building explode in our downtown. So in Oklahoma City, and so, you know, those kinds of things come back to you. 9-11, you know, you... Hey, low planes flying you, overhead still catch me. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we're all out there. The next thing I did was check social media to see if anybody else knew what happened. And uh, as we were talking about this, we talked about, like, I think, you know, pre-printing press, it was town criers. And then it was printing press. And you had somebody handing out papers or selling papers kind of that busker the yelling the headlines yelling the headlines situation and then then you just had newspapers thrown at your porch and then now the newspaper world is kind of shrinking and social media is is your town crier almost. And we've seen this pop up at the local level, even around situations like home development. Someone will drive down a street and either see a notice that a house is about to be bulldozed or they'll see it actively be bulldozed mm-hmm. <laughs> and They'll post about it and they'll say, who knows about this? What information can I get from the city? And then everyone starts chiming in with their feedback or their information if they have it or their rumor if they heard one. But that is not something that even a thriving local newspaper can really jump on as quickly as social media. However, the lack of the local newspaper, I think, has allowed a lot more bad actors to come in and start seeding false information. Um, As Sarita mentioned, you know, the fake profiles, definitely a problem. Mm -hmm. We have seen that around surrounding voter referendums and also candidates. People who have no social media activity now all of a sudden have joined the word pages and start talking down a particular candidate or a particular proposal. That happens very often and it is really important that we remember our middle school or high school or college education about primary sources or being skeptical until those primary sources appear that it's fine if you have second or third hand information that you want to share or you're looking at a a newspaper report of an abstract of an article but to not jump to an unnecessarily quick conclusion until those primary sources come out and it's important, really important that we maintain legitimate news sources. So it really the, is the conversation at the national level where 
some of our, well, our president wants to vilify national reporters and, and legitimate press corps, that that's dangerous and scary for our democracy. I don't know where we would be as a community if we ever lost our local newspaper because we don't have a TV. We don't have a TV channel. The news stations in Oklahoma City, they'll glance south if there's something big that bubbles up. But other than that, they don't report on the local happenings in Norman. They just don't. And so even though our paper is owned by an out-of-state newspaper conglomerate, which comes with its own drawbacks, I do recognize that, the importance of having local reporters. I have a voicemail right now from a local reporter wanting to ask me about an item that council passed last night about a new HVAC system for the animal shelter. She wants to know about that, and that's good. And I'm going to call her back as soon as we're done. And we're going to talk relationship about it. There. And she is providing information about local happenings in a way that other people don't get to experience. If you didn't watch the council meeting, there might not be any other mention mm-hmm. of this HVAC system. And studies have shown that when local newspapers fail, the cost of municipal government contracts goes up by an average of 13 percent. Wow. And that is everyone's taxpayer dollars. If you don't have anyone guarding the hen house, you have no way of knowing what predators are walking in. So discernment is something I learned in college. I think that it's the number one reason why I advocate for education, because I see people in my my life that didn't learn how to find a trusted news source and they believe some of the stuff, you know, and it's it's so easy to manipulate the news via social media. It really is. And I think that our education system also has not caught up to how fast information is being passed down to the people who use social media. And considering that definitely more than a majority of, let's say, 12 and 13 year olds have some kind of social media account, whether it's Facebook or Snapchat or TikTok or WhatsApp or whatever the newest, most popular one is, news and information is percolating down to them. And we are not teaching discernment or source vetting early enough. We're just not. Because it wasn't it wasn't a requirement. And so but we haven't we haven't moved that down to the level where it really becomes critical. Yeah. When I was in high school, everything was a trusted source. I mean, it was pretty obvious when something wasn't a trusted source. You know, you had textbooks or and even that I'm learning, you know, got it wrong because I went on and got more education. But so dog business, coffee business, politics business, and then personal. And I think one thing I'd really want to point out with social media, as people who have very busy lives, it's important to have balance. It's important to meet with people face to face, get away from the social media. In our dog business, in our coffee business, in our political lives, in my personal life, I make it a point to meet with my customers, do other things, mall kiosks and events and dog walks and ward meetings for our constituents. And then on personal, like, you know, Kate and I, we go to lunch together, we work out, we have Friday night dinners sometimes with our families. And so it's important that we have those personal connections. And to remember that social media doesn't replace that, because I think that that's easy to forget. I will have random lunches or, you know, I had a friend come over on Sunday that I have texted with and responded to comments with and engaged with in a digital way many times. She and I were sitting there trying to remember the last time, other than book club, because she does come to book club, when the last time it was that the two of us just sat and had a conversation. Like she brought me, she just texted me randomly on Sunday morning and said, what are you doing? Can I bring you coffee? And I even said, 
yeah, and I know where you can get it for free. Let me text over there and tell them you're coming. <laughs> we um, happen to know somebody. And we sat for two hours and just talked. And I hand, got Ellie breakfast and all of that stuff. And she was my first friend when I moved to Oklahoma. And I would go and spend 20 minutes every morning with her at her job because she worked at a gas station. And I would just like hang out with her for 20 or 30 minutes before I went to work. And we haven't done that in a really long time. And social media took the place of that. Now, on the flip side, I am the only one of my family in Oklahoma. My husband and I and, and our daughter were the only ones of our families within 700 miles. That's crazy. It is. And that distance feels really vast were it not for social, social media. media. Yeah. Because I share pictures of Ellie and I talk about my life and my family feels more connected to me and closer to me than they would otherwise. But it really is a balance that mm -hmm. you don't necessarily need social media to connect with the people that you know and love in your own town. But it can be really helpful to maintain those connections to the people that you love who don't live in a reasonable driving distance of you. Yeah, absolutely. So discernment in social media is important, as is personal relationships, mm -hmm. balance, being genuine, transparent, and authentic are in important. In everything we do. In everything we do, but also protecting your privacy. I I'm, I'm guess I'm just overstating the obvious on these things, but it's a good tool. Social media, all of the social media is a good tool. LinkedIn, we have you know, there's great ways to connect with other business owners that way. I don't Twitter, but I do Facebook, Snapchat. I just like to make myself look old and young. And <laughs> uh, we are constantly exploring media tools for making nice videos because mm -hmm. that is helpful in our world. And uh, I've used, I've found a couple really great graphic design websites. Canva uh, mm -hmm. is really excellent. If I, I like Magisto. Yeah, I mean, if I've forgotten to make some little graphic that says that we're going to be closing early the next day, I can pull up the Canva app and have something that looks professionally designed done mm -hmm. in about five minutes. I really, really love that. It doesn't do videos. Magisto, Magisto is really, does, yeah. really the best one that we've found so far for videos. But finding ways to make that a little faster, a little bit streamlined. With coffee, my big hurdle right now is product photos, advertising photos. I don't really have to do that with dogs. Like I could walk into a group with a handful of treats and everyone sits. <laughs> and then it's just good photo after they're, good photo after good photo. Easy. But yeah, with coffee, it's like oh, I got to get out the background fabric and find something to put next to this thing. And now I can't read the logo. Should I take the top off? Why did I even actually make the drink to take this photo when I could have just put whipped cream on top of some water? And like, I'm like, it's just she's authentic. <laughs> yeah. I, would I don't get involved in the coffee side of it other than I, I write content sometimes for the, the stories that we tell because we do. There are some good stories because we source our beans where we source them and how we source them is important mm -hmm. to our customers. And then we really want to be the knowledge base in, in this area since my husband's the roaster. So I feel like that gives us a little more of an edge in that way. So. Absolutely. And on the cool bean side, I've just unleashed our incredibly talented employees. Yeah. They decorate cups. We even had one. We even had one barista the other day was so inspired by the Golden Globe nominations coming out that she did an E.T. cup and a Beetlejuice cup. Like any movie that's won an award, she's trying to draw a little image of. And it's and that has it's been adorable. Yeah. It's really that. You just take a photo of that sleeve and it's beautiful, like mm -hmm. doesn't need any staging or anything like that. So trying to utilize what we can, where we can, but showing the fun, creative, flexible side. I think the funny thing about our businesses is they're our coffee businesses is they're like two halves of the same person. Like yeah. Yellow Dog is very much about doing things the right way. 
when it comes mm-hmm. when it comes to coffee. Sort of a nerdy. Yeah, it's it's a little more of a, a a nerdy, almost maybe hipster kind of style. Whereas Cool Beans is all about the fun colors and the tasty combinations. Lots of whipped cream. Lots of whipped cream. Lots of colors. And I kind of like that dichotomy. Mm-hmm. It it's, really provides an option for both everything. Options. Yeah, and we're seeing that in our dog business too. Yep. Two very distinct personalities coming out of our dog businesses, even though it's many of the same people and. It's just strange to see the differences. But I guess uh, we can wrap it up with continue to find us on roarandpeaceproject.com. And thank you to The Third Space for uh, allowing us to record and helping us get through these podcasts. And I am also going to give a particular shout out today to my now two-year-old daughter, Eleanor, at 4.30 this morning. She turned two, two years ago at 4.30 in the morning. I was numb and tired and squeezing out a human being (laughs) pushed out a seven pound girl who I mean it truly feels like a lifetime and like yesterday both at the same time so happy birthday Eleanor have a a great holiday y'all Merry Christmas Happy New Year Mm -hmm.